0: Hello cult hackers. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults.
1: And I'm Stephen, organizational psychologist, also with an interest in cults, as I used to belong to a high control group. So welcome to the podcast. Power Celine. Power word that we're Power. gonna talk about today. Do
0: you know what I'm doing?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no?
0: Oh, it's like just everyone it's one of those fabled memes from the internet with um. You know, when everyone was just taking the mick out of the Star Wars prequels, it was just the guy with his his little electric hands being like, power.
1: Oh, I don't remember that. Do
0: you know? Oh, there I mean, were some interesting movies.
1: <laughs> it's funny you should say Star Wars, because as I was preparing for this, the Star Wars came to my mind, funnily enough. Because <laughs> um, when when we think of power, um, obviously, you know, when you think about film and, and media and sort of, depictions of of power and the abuse of power. Mm. Um, When in the original or the first Star Trek, episode four, doesn't make sense. We all know that. Star Um,
0: Wars, you'll get flogged for that. You said Trek, Star Wars. Oh, did
1: I? Star Wars, I do apologize. Um, Star Wars, episode four, A New Hope, is when they are moving from this kind of secular empire to this more kind of... Uh, I suppose fundamentalist religious um, type mm. situation with the the Sith and everything, and uh, they're they're basically getting rid of all these smaller bureaucracies. And and one of the guys, this is the interesting thing about Star Wars in those early days, is they'd have conversations about accounting and um, mm. bureaucracy, and they said, uh, "But how are we going to keep control without the bureaucracy?" Um, and it's kind of it's interesting, and, and basically it was it was all going to be done by fear. Um, okay. That the, the way that we're going to rule the empire was through fear, as opposed to a bureaucracy. Which anyway, that's what I thought about when I started to prepare this uh, this <laughs> podcast. Um, so why are we talking about power? Um, might be a good question. I suggested it, but I think the more I see the way that high control groups work, the way the 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 way that power is wielded, for me, is more and more important. And Mm. if we are cult hacking, which we are, that's what we're doing, we're trying to get under the skin of what cults are really all about, I think really understanding how power works within these groups is really important, because that will help us understand how they wield the control that they do.
0: Yes. Desert power. (laughs) (laughs) There's lots of just quotes lots, about power.
1: lots of film quotes about power yeah so desert mm-hmm. power that's from dune isn't it of mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. um which we're gonna quote from later on um mm-hmm. and obviously the world's um, society is quite interested in power there's a lot of discussion around power inequality it's part of the culture wars really around mm-hmm. things like structural racism and um uh, feminism well, yeah. and so on what
0: yeah, a lot of the structures of power that exist in our world have been created a long time ago and are yeah. now just there and existing. And unless you challenge them, they will continue to be there, um, exuding their power.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I guess um, you only need to think about So we haven't really talked about the death of um, the Queen um, Mm -hmm. on the podcast that happens, what was it? Three weeks ago now, four Mm -hmm. weeks, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, as we record this podcast. Yeah, we, we didn't really talk about it. It didn't seem that relevant, um, to talk about on this particular podcast, although, there are some interesting parallels around the way that that particular family works and, um, mm. and feeling trapped within it and unable to do certain things. Some people have described the royal family as a kind of cult, which is kind of interesting. I think if you look at some Diana interviews, you'll mm.
0: be able to, um, you'll, you'll probably feel some similarities You'll be able to empathise with some of her yeah. interviews because she talks about mm. being um a non-starter i think is one of the interviews that's particularly is probably quite culty relevant because they kind of she kind of says she's not bending to them and doing what they want she's got yeah. her way of doing things they don't like that so she's a non-starter mm. um, which is interesting
1: it is yeah so perhaps the subject of a of another episode if we really want to dig into that mm. um the reason i mentioned the royal family is is around acceptance of power so the mm-hmm. royal family are the representation of a of a system of power that's been around for hundreds over a thousand years, really? Um, they're an
0: interesting example of both having a lot of power and having very little power. In yes. that, um, you know, they have incredible amounts of power. In that, they'll never be cold this winter. Mm. You know, what I mean, like mm. they're not going to be yeah. they're not going to be worried about the cost of living crisis, for instance. Yeah. So that's power. Like Mm. having, uh, and they can, you know, demand that somebody wake them up at an exact time or like, you know, they have certain powers, but then other things that to us are everyday normal things, they will not have access to. Um, Mm. So they have the power in terms of, uh, you know, if you, I don't know, like they, if you watch the crown, we'll see that there's big things around, um, he, that Prince Philip of the time wanted to learn to fly, and that was something that had to go through political mm. channels. And he has to ask permission to do roles if he's to do them <laughs> beforehand. Right. So, you know, somebody might pick up a hobby out in the world, and that's just their choice. And they have a lot of power in that he can do that because he's got money to do that, and that's power. But he doesn't have the power to make choices over his own personal hobbies. In that's instance. right. So it's yeah, yeah. Interesting
1: and uh, and you know what he can say you know mm-hmm. the new king king charles is i think it's been it's been made clear to him that he can no longer say some of the mm-hmm. things he used to st- say about mm-hmm. his his beliefs and um, mm-hmm yeah where he stands on certain issues like green issues for instance he's always been very vocal about that but he Mm -hmm. won't be able to talk much about that now if if i talk certainly not in public so Um, i think
0: there's a discussion of if he's allowed to go to a particular summit yeah uh, yeah. Mm. which i don't know it seems yeah i mean we don't want to go into all this right now but yeah that's again it's personal liberties and so on
1: yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um it's but as a yeah. as a family, yes, the establishment obviously has power, but um and we've talked about it before, we we talked about political systems um you know, that the royalty technically um has the power to dissolve parliament and to appoint a prime minister, but in reality, if they were to wield that power without the um wishes of the yeah. political parties, then there would be a constitutional crisis and they would be gone, you know. In some of the ceremonies that you might see on the television, it's almost like they're, they're held hostage mm. Um, and, you know, we'll give you all these things, we'll give you all this pomp and privilege uh, and in return, you just are a figurehead of the country but don't ever think about stepping away from that. Because we've chopped people's heads off before, you know, um, for less. So um, there's yeah. kind of um, there's that understanding. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's um, that is a, is a sort of power, but it does, as you say, it does raise this, the fact that power is complicated. It's mm-hmm. it's not a very simple thing. There's often different types of it, and even in one person, you can be powerful in certain ways and not in another. In terms of organizational psychology, the the power model that most people talk about particularly in organizations is is French and Raven's power bases um that was that came out in the 50s but it's still pretty much the the one that is talked about when we talk about power in organizations and particularly in in, (laughs) is it good yeah (laughs) is it a good model yeah 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 I think it is a good model actually and it's very it's very relevant to um to high control groups I um, think
0: so it's Old and good, not old and um, old and tired. <laughs> it's an
1: oldie and a goodie, as yeah. they say. Yeah. Oldie but
0: a goodie, yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. oh, you know, sometimes there's things that just people go along with because they're established. Um, so that was more of the question. Yeah. I thought I'd ask it in a funny way because I'm a funny gal. You're a funny gal. <laughs> mm. um,
1: <laughs> you're a funny cult hacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it it is still really quite well respected. And the other one we'll talk about is Max Weber, who is also very well res- respected the thing is is obviously power is one of those things that is in many ways a constructed social concept you know it's not something tangible therefore I suppose you know, you there's sort of some talk about physical it anyway. elements to
0: it depends on when you mm. th- there's it depends on what situations you're in, doesn't it because i I would argue that when I'm out and about on the street at night if I'm walking home from somewhere and it's dark. I feel like I'd feel like I had less power than Mm. like a a male counterpart walking home late at night or just in the dark. Like if it's just, you know, English winter and it's seven o'clock and it's already dark, I feel like I have less, less power than somebody that's, you know, like a male walking down the street. So there's some tangible physical powers, but because of, like men are typically stronger do you see what I mean so like if I was in trouble I feel like I'd have less power
1: yeah um that's because of your probably accurate perception nevertheless it is it is your perception of of the way that the world works and Mm. therefore you have a a response to that and not everybody may have the same response so in that sense whilst you might not have the same physical power so you could talk about physical power i suppose mm. but the the response to what you might feel is a dangerous situation is mm-hmm. your assessment of that situation and how you respond to it yeah. other women might respond differently to that in well, in which case then, there's a then scary that dog, that dog privilege
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> what's one. that scary dog privilege <laughs> where you get a, you get a big scary dog that you can walk around at night like, oh, right that, that's yeah cool. <clears throat> that's how you insert some power
1: <laughs> yeah and may or may not actually make you safer i mean you know whether it no, does or not i don't but know. it might
0: make you look safer.
1: You look and feel safer and that's my point that's why i say it's yeah. it's constructed because it's it's the way that we perceive and think about what's happening and that in many respects is is how it works in organizations yeah. In high control groups, in cults, in schools, in um, businesses, uh, it's all about perceptions and social expectations. So, yeah, it's all very, uh, very much constructed in that sense. Shall I just go through these bases of power according to French and Raven, and then we can yeah. um, we can apply those to cults and high control groups? We want to hack into the way that um, these groups wield power, and and I should say abuse power as well, because I think that's that's really where we're concerned, isn't it, is how groups might abuse their power. Um, So French and Raven came up with five bases of power, and then a sixth one, which is really interesting, came along a bit later. Um, So there's legitimate power, there's reward power, there's expert power, referent power, coercive power, and informational power was the one that came along Six years
0: later, we'd probably talk about financial. Did you say financial? Actually, sorry,
1: no, um, no, I
0: think we'd now, if we were doing a study like this, we would add financial power.
1: I I think at the societal level, probably, yeah,
0: yeah, because we talk about, um, in terms of like it's actually been added to certain um sets of laws for domestic abuses, they've added financial abuse. So, I think finance, so that would probably because if you're If your partner takes control of your finances and you, then you can't leave potentially, you know. Yeah. So I think that that's something. That's that's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, that's a very good point.
0: And I think cults do that. Not all Mm. of them, but certain ones do. They will Mm. try and, even if it's secondary, so they don't take your money, but they limit the money you can make.
1: Yes. There's lots of kind of situational imbalances. Let's say that's um, they might create. Um, yeah, let's look at these um, yeah, these major ones and first, and then we can, then we can expand more. on it. Can we? Um, so let's start from from the first one: legitimate power. So this is comes from the belief that the person that you're talking about has the right to or authority to. Hold that power. So mm. the easiest way to think about it is in the workplace. You know, if um, if you're working in a an office or a factory or something, um, there's normally a manager or a team leader or some supervisor or something, and by the organisation giving them that title, um, they give them the authority mm. to give um, requests or commands if you like or ask things to be done make decisions about what's done when it's done who does it to what standard all those sorts of things so and we generally accept that um as members of the workforce we kind of accept that that's the way that it works it's legitimate in the eyes of the people that that um accept that authority if you like mm-hmm. so we see it as legitimate we operate that yeah okay that person's the manager so it's their choice um and then if somebody else becomes a manager let's say someone leaves and then a new person is promoted from within it's the same person you know it's still jenny but jenny is now the manager and jenny now has the authority to do all the things that the other person did so um that's a particular type of power it's legitimate power which comes from its authority that is invested upon them by some other power or mm. other authority and that the rest of the people coming under that accept and go along with
0: but it can both be because it's a, it's almost it's potentially in court experiences a misnomer so there will be um it will be legitimate in terms of they've been invested power by somebody yeah but it doesn't mean that they really should have it or um, well that's that's the legitimate mean- i suppose well,
1: so that's where we have to be careful with the meaning of the word legitimate mm-hmm. so in this sense um in this definition when we talk about legitimate power both here and in other areas like with max weber it's not talking about whether they morally have a legitimacy it's just whether it's seen as rightful if you like legitimate by yeah, yeah. everybody so it doesn't it's not actually conferring upon it any any legitimacy in that sense as yeah. we might think of the word in english it's it's a particular type of power that is accepted as being Given from mm. the authority and station that they have, and we, you know, we accept that in society a lot. You know, we see police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, we might see, I don't know, um, officials, well, politicians,
0: the, the crown, because it's officially um, said that they are ordained religiously. So, yeah, um, that that's. Yeah. But that's where I think they come in, they might be coming unstuck as we become less religious as a nation.
1: In the past it was the right of kings, wasn't it? The divine Mm -hmm. right of kings. So legitimacy actually stemmed from the fact that they were seen to be, again, seen to be ordained by God. This was God that had conferred upon them. Yeah, that's Mm. what I'm
0: saying. So I think as we become less religious as a nation, that will become because it's still that they still are considered it's the divine right of kings because it's Mm. um their their coronation is held in the church so it's a religious experience so i think yeah that's when um these legitimacies are in flux i suppose um as to if the group believes or not so yeah legitimacy often comes from belief doesn't it
1: absolutely it's all about whether you believe that they are legitimate or not, in many respects, you know, and that's um, because your manager it... just
0: because they are your manager doesn't always mean that you treat them with um <laughs> legitimate power. It there well, is, there's somebody for instance, um, a friend was talking about our previous work and stuff, um, that mm-hmm. they were at, and they were like, so many people that like, they just didn't like. It didn't matter what they were saying because they couldn't fire them, so like, what are you going to do? Fire me, and I was like, I can't imagine being at that point. But they were like, Well, mm. you get to that point, um, when you don't, I guess, believe the legitimacy, <laughs> of the and power.
1: that's that's a point that, um, is made in this model is that it only works so long as people accept it, mm. it is purely at the mercy, really, of the followers.
0: Mm-hmm
1: um to accept it yeah so that's why that's all why you got is... to be
0: good <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right it's all it's all conditional really mm. there is no such thing as absolute power in any situation mm. um although you know you may see dictators and think they've got absolute power well many we of those dictators <laughs> end up Um, coming to a sticky end so yeah yeah, it's it's actually a bit of an illusion Mm -hmm. um yeah and so your power is only as strong as the amount of people and the depth to which they accept it i suppose Mm -hmm. in um in cultic groups we could talk about how legitimate power works so you know you think about any religious situation there's often a a set of clerics or religious leaders who will Confer confer upon others also religious authority. So you know the bishops will ordain the priests and so on. So that's that's yeah. the way it kind of works. And you have this hierarchy of legitimate power. So yeah, legitimate power is often hierarchical. Um, it comes from the one above in in the churches and in religions. There's normally like a supreme leader at the top um, who then has their power given to them either by other senior religious leaders. I'm thinking of the Pope, for instance, that the main bishops decide who the next Pope's going to be. Um, Or it could be through some other accepted means. But legitimate power is normally conferred to an individual by somebody else. Um, and it gets more complicated as as you get to the top in an organization, you know, that the boss and then you've got the, the board and even the board is answerable to the shareholders possibly or the owners of the business. Um, so there's normally somebody that you have to report to and that's how legitimate power works. Mm. I think in cults it's, um, of course it's used, you know, so you think about cults where it, they've been around a while. We'll talk in a minute about, how cults often move from uh, looking at a different model um they move from charismatic power to legitimate power but we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later even from my experience elders would be appointed by other elders and mm. circuit overseer and so on and that so that is is the same sort of principle really mm. and people accept that you know that's now okay they've now got that that responsibility, that legitimacy to make decisions and give counsel and Mm. all those sorts of things. So that is a type of power. Um, Reward power is the second one, uh, a French and Raven's model. And, yeah, I think cults use reward power quite a bit, especially in the beginning, Mm. um, to draw people in. Um, You know, so it's, it's be part of this group, And if you are part of this group, then you'll get this reward.
0: Yeah, it's stronger at the start. And then it's almost, it flips from reward to avoiding problems. (laughs) I I think it
1: can, yeah. It can can switch from reward to coercive, I think. But Mm -hmm. um, the reward might still be there. So, um, you know, you think about uh, coming to this cult and and this applies to all of the different types of cults, you know. Coming to this cult and you'll be... Um, transcendent, you know, you'll be able mm. to transcend to a new level of spirituality. Um, come into this cult and you'll be happy. We talked about happiness mm-hmm. um, in our last topic episode. So that's a reward, isn't it? Why would you not mm. want eternal happiness? Come into the this cult and. That
0: exactly. You'll yeah. see
1: your, your dead loved ones again. Pet um, the
0: tigers. Woo.
1: Pet the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm. Sounds great. Um, live forever in paradise on earth um, go to heaven and meet jesus mm. um yeah uh, i mentioned last week or last on the last one about having your own planet was a belief that the mormons have Um mm. I, I did a bit of research afterwards and there's some controversy over that they deny that um is quite as stark as Maybe it's put in the Book of Mormon musical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't dug much further into that. So I just wanted to kind of put the record straight on that one. It's a bit contested, that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, there's certainly rewards that are promised. Um, you know, commercial uh, – we've talked about commercial cults and, you know, make money this way, become a, a success, um, mm-hmm. multi-level marketing cults, things like that. Of course, uh, you know, do this and do that and you'll you'll be rewarded – and you'll also have lots of friends if you become a member of this group, you know. Mm. So it's all about that—that's held over them then as a um, as a way to, you know, as that carrot that is there to keep chasing it. The next one is expert knowledge, uh, which is based upon the person's perceived levels of skills and knowledge and ability, um, and that um, kind of speaks for itself, I think. But what's interesting is that in a lot of organizations that gives power to often to people who have no seniority. Mm -hmm. So you think about a hierarchical organization like um, any sort of business, there's lots of legitimate power there. You've got managers and team leaders and all that sort of stuff. But often the, one of the really powerful persons there or people there is the, the expert, you know, the person that's been there a long time or that has some particular expertise in an area uh, they can wield quite a lot of power because they are the ones that have that knowledge, that have that ability to do something. So whilst they don't have any formal power, they have the expert power that people defer to them mm. on. Even the manager may may well defer to them on, on those sorts of things. And I think that one's really lacking in cults, uh, apart from the leader. Mm. So your rank and file member of a cult is often told they're rubbish, sinful, um, unable to do something without the cult, without the leader. And depending on the type of organisation, expertise isn't really conferred upon people lower down the echelons of the group, you know? Mm. Even those that might be given responsibilities, you know, think about my own group, my ex-group, Jehovah's Witnesses, whilst... Within the congregation, you might look have looked to the elders as certain types of expertise. Um, they would always be told to be careful of thinking too much of themselves. Mm. And their interpretation of the scriptures was irrelevant. It wasn't about anybody else's interpretation of the Bible. All the expertise came through the governing body or the faithful, mm. discreet slave or whichever you know way you wanted to talk about them and so the power of the expert was very much wrapped up in the leadership
0: mm.
1: and i think that's the case with most cults yeah you don't want you don't want your rank and file to be knowledgeable or experts certainly not in anything to do that's related to the cult and its its purpose you want them to be obedient to listen to what the leader's got to say and to just do what they're told <laughs>
0: If you're enjoying the podcast you can support it by becoming a patron you can support the podcast for just one pound or a dollar 50 and receive a variety of patreon benefits as a thank you don't forget to share the podcast follow like subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using a review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some cult hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our cult hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. I think there's a lot of workplaces that are like that as well, to be honest. Probably, yeah. I'm sure that is true. Um, I think there's a... Because I think experts below you feels threatening. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people at the above level that find the idea of someone below them being an expert or giving expertise as being concerning because if they feel like it undermines their power, yeah, and it doesn't have to. I feel like there's this like desire for like there has to be one power and there can't be like. you know we're talking about these different kinds of power but they don't like the idea of there being different kinds of power and they don't want their kind of underlings to have any
1: well yeah as you know I train managers and um, they certainly Mm -hmm. don't get that message from me so um, Mm -hmm. in in the training courses I think that most people deliver in management development um, we would try to discourage that that view you know actually Mm -hmm. as a manager doesn't make you all knowing and all powerful actually mm. what you need to do is use your resources, uh, which will include the expertise of the people that report into you so mm. yeah if if you 're seeing leaders and managers do that, then it probably means they 're actually quite inexperienced and mm. have probably never had any proper training in how mm. to be a manager or a leader, which mm. is very very common in in business mm. um, if, you, if you think about it, it is is a bit odd. They, they have a job that they do, and then they're made into a manager, which is essentially a different job. Mm. Um, but they receive often no training for that different job at all. Yeah. They're just expected to do it because they knew how to do the other job. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the reason why I think people need to be trained. If you think about religious situations or cultic situations even, um, that's often the case in those situations too. So they won't receive any formal training about how to manage and lead people in any sort of secular way, um, They'll, if you think about what the Bible says about leadership and management, it doesn't really talk much about that in any sort of secular sense. Uh, the lessons you get from the Bible about leading and managing, I mean, you could draw some lessons, I suppose, from Moses and um, people like that, um, but it's so far removed from the, the way that, that modern groups work it, it seems like you know that's completely irrelevant so yeah mm. they're, they're completely ill equipped and i've said this before cults and high control groups organizations are very very badly equipped to handle the sorts of difficult situations that they may find themselves in mm. they put themselves in positions of power and authority over their congregations without the required skills in the areas that they would need if they were going to do that properly. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they would disagree with that very, very strongly because they have some, what they would call education, but it's not in the appropriate areas that they would need in order to mm-hmm. do that job properly, in my view.
0: All right, what's our next one?
1: Yeah, our next one is reference power. Um, so this is, I always think of this as like, you know, the power that people have over you because you like them. Um, so this is when you think that they are maybe wonderful or attractive or cool or you know you want to be like them maybe and you know you you sort of you sort of yeah you you, because of that they have a certain power over you and again that's not necessarily a bad thing but they can of course abuse that Mm. and sometimes you do see that In workplaces, a kind of
0: charismatic leader.
1: I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It is absolutely, yeah. So, um, charisma can create a feeling that, oh yeah, they're so brilliant. You know, I want to be like them, Mm. Um, and that does give them a certain amount of power. And that power might not be conferred upon them. It might not be part of the hierarchy. It's just that you know they are such a such a wonderful person. Um, and that is almost entirely in the eyes of the beholder. So, one of the things I was reading about this in some of the literature was that, you know, it kind of doesn't matter what they're like mm-hmm. as a person. Um, we can talk about charismatic characters in a moment, but because that does, they do seem to have certain characteristics, but it is very much in the eye of the beholder. And we've talked about Donald Trump before. You know, when I look at Donald Trump, I don't see somebody that I think wow, what a man, you know, Mm. what a charismatic man. Um, But some really do. And some really, really love him, you know, and they think that he has those admirable qualities. And so, yeah, he's using reference power there. I think the same would be in the UK, Boris Johnson, you know, our former prime minister. um, Yeah, it was kind of quite good at um, off-the-cuff friendly banter. But I didn't look at him and think, you know, wow, what a man, I want to be like him, you know. Mm-hmm. But some people really did look at him like that. So, yeah, it's very much in the eyes of the beholder, I think.
0: Yeah, it depends what appeals to you, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, what you think, what you value, what you think is worthwhile.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, in courts, I think that often is the leader that has that power. So, the leader will probably start off or may well start off with that Um this charismatic authority, charismatic quality, and that's how they get people to follow them. And it might then shift to more legitimate power in that once that's been established, then they might create around them systems or structures of power that they might infer some of that power to others and so they have lieutenants and others who work on their behalf and so on. But I think often, traditionally, if you look at a lot of the definitions of cults, like um, Jan Lalich's Bounded Choice, one of the elements there is this charismatic authority. Um, and I think that is absolutely the case for cults that start. And then, in a way, they have to... Obviously, the, the charismatic leader is going to die at some point, even though they sometimes say they won't. They do. And um, if that cult is to continue, that then that power has to be in a more legitimate type of uh, format, I think. Mm. Unless the person coming along is also very charismatic. Um, but I don't see that very often, I have to say. If you think about the courts that we've talked about, by the time they've been around to the second set of leadership, by that time, they, the, the people in charge seem to be fairly bland and mm. are really using the charisma of the former leader Mm-hmm. as the means through which they've set up legitimate power.
0: You've said about J Dubs not being very charismatic, but then yeah. like Jan Jan Lalic said, like probably at the beginning yeah. the first leader was and then yeah, over time it's changed and quite yeah. well developed.
1: That's right. I, I don't know much about what I don't think, you know, because it was before the days of video and or mm. well, you know, easily accessible video, we haven't got much to go on with Charles Taze Russell but you know i think he seems but to have been quite charismatic it is a person was known do you know what i mean that's so. right yeah yeah but um for that to continue you either have to have the next person to come along as the as the leader who also has charisma or you've got to have set up some sort of structure which i think mm-hmm. is what most do coercive power is the fifth Element, the fifth base that uh, Ray, French and Raven talk about. And I've, obviously this is the sort of power that comes when you believe that if you do something the leader doesn't like, you're going to get punished in some way. Mm. So this is where coercive control comes in, really.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've well, we've spent like nearly 100 episodes talking about this. So
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you don't do this, then um, so I think there's two two different ways that that can be wielded. One is short-term coercive control. So it's like you know, if you do this, then you'll be punished. You'll be disfellowshipped. You'll be excommunicated. You'll be stripped of your privileges. You'll be publicly reproved. These are these are punishments, um, and obviously they are meant to stop people doing certain things. Or make people do other things, um, but then there's longer term punishment that is, uh, again, depending on whether the person believes it or not. But you know, you'll, you're you're going to die at Armageddon. Mm. For other groups, you're going to burn in hell. Um, you know those sorts of things. We we talked to the um, ex teenage fundamentalists, if you remember, and they because we asked them about hell because they they would have believed in hell, and mm. for them, hell was not necessarily a burning furnace but it was w- whatever the sort of worst thing you can imagine and that that you know that's pretty mm-hmm. um chilling i think yeah. so that's a very coercive way of trying to get people to mm-hmm. uh, do what you want them to do mm-hmm. so yeah there's the short-term punishments and then there's the longer term ones even in the workplace of course there's there's punishment for things you know if you um if you're late constantly for instance um mm-hmm. if you're expected to get in at nine o'clock and you keep turning up at half past nine then there might be some mm-hmm. punishment to that it ultimately you might lose your job so you know that that is used coercive control in that sense or coercive power but i think there's a difference unlike a lot of these things there's degrees isn't there so mm-hmm. um i think most people could accept that constantly breaking the rules um of a of an organization might mean some sort of punitive measure but i think there's a difference between that and a coercively controlling group that as you say we've talked about a lot over the um the the podcast and our previous incarnation what should i think about (laughs) um informational is the one that was added and that's kind of really apt i think for cults and high control groups what do you think
0: well, yeah, that's the don't read anything that we don't allow you to read. Don't yes. talk to anybody that you shouldn't talk to. Don't engage yeah. with anything that we haven't said you can engage with. Um, Absolutely. And, and it's like if it if you're so right and everything else is so wrong, then what would be mm. the issue in engaging with anything else? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. If you have the ultimate truth, then why does it mm. matter? Because you'll just read it and go, yeah, see, obviously right. nonsense.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, of course, it, it shows up um, in Stephen Hassan's bike model um, as one of the um, elements that you should look for if you are unsure about whether a group is a cult. Um, this this information control is is very, very yeah, important. Yeah,
0: and presumably controlling information regarding things like the Australian Royal Commission. I don't imagine mm. they would... I imagine that if anything was mentioned about it, it would be, don't look into it. <laughs>
1: Oh absolutely it would yeah. be they
0: it's they're going after us, and it's awful, don't yeah. of it you
1: know? yeah, that's right yeah the um it is so frustrating it means that you can't talk to to people about the actual you know thing that you need to talk about in order to mm. explain what you're doing, why you're doing it, and so on and it is it is of course frustrating, but. That is the power that they wield. The other type of information control in a cult is also the other side of that telescope, really, is where the organization might get information about you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Scientology, for instance, when they're doing the uh, audits, they're recording those audits, and part of that will be you know, talking about their deepest, darkest um feelings and emotions and maybe even things they've done um so they then have this bank of um of recordings about yeah, you so
0: was someone that returned wasn't there and people were like what information have they got on mm. this guy because he's so against yeah. it but he's back so it's, it's back kind of,
1: now yeah. yeah um erica bornman as well talked about in quasi zabantu the fact that you had to confess mm-hmm. everything um to the leader there and um, yeah. again then of course i don't think they had it recorded they weren't quite as no. sophisticated as that but they would know it they well, yeah, know what you said they'd
0: know, and given that the rest mm. of the group knows that you tell the truth in those things they'd know it was true probably, that's right you know
1: so even your your thoughts about things you know like, mm-hmm. um oh, i i was attracted to this person or i I thought a bad word, you know, those sorts mm-hmm. of things would would be coming out, yeah, and that would yeah. give the religious leaders power over you. And as a child, you know, Erica's book, Mission of Malice, goes into that quite in quite detail. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's absolutely horrific, really, uh, that abuse of of that power that they so they set up a system of power and then they abuse it, yeah, which is obviously what a lot of these coercive groups do.
0: That's what they love to do.
1: Indeed. So that's French and Raven. Um, Weber, Max Weber, very well known for his work on leadership and uh, charismatic leadership in particular. Um, he talked about power, but he felt that that was quite a, a wishy-washy word. So he liked, mm-hmm. he preferred domination and authority as ways to talk mm-hmm. a bit more specifically about things. Um, there's three here that I wanted to to just talk about. I've taken this information from a really kind of handy little, well it looks like it's a bit of coursework actually for some sort of degree, um, from the University of Regina. Don't know anything about this university, but I think it's Mm. from Canada. Uh, It's kind of a good little document. I'll put a link to it, you can access it. Um, So the three here that I thought were quite interesting, sort of similar to French and Raven, but we've got traditional authority, we've got charismatic authority and we've got legal or rational authority so this is a bit more macro i think this is more a slightly higher level of societal level really but i think it does apply so traditional authority is obviously the sorts of authority that might be around for hundreds or thousands of years Mm. um so the royal family would be a good example of that i guess or royalty as a as a concept um but the patriarchy patriarchy patriarchism is seen as probably the most dominant and oldest form of traditional authority the idea that you know it's always been this way you know the man Mm -hmm. is the head of the house and will make the rules and so on this has been for certainly in in europe and north america um a, a sort of traditional way of doing things um and it's not it hadn't been challenged And so people just accept that that was the way you did it. Um, And I think the other thing then from that stems a lot of the other types of power that come from that. So if you think about religious systems, they essentially borrow that patriarchal setup, don't they? Mm. You know, in the Bible, it's all the patriarchies. The leaders of the house are always men and they have... Uh, people that work yeah, for them they and...
0: just use it to bend for what they want so they want to continue patriarchy so they use religious scripture to like say well see it's all fine and good actually taking over lands of like well it's God given right so it's fine or why Why do you have slaves and it's like well the bible says it's fine you know
1: um, yeah.
0: even you know they'll, they'll pull things out of it to allow themselves to do what they want to basically
1: well yeah um and, and you know there's always an element power of power because they it, say
0: it's from god now do you know what i mean that gives yeah it an element
1: of it's always an element of interpretation interpreting yeah. it in a way that obviously is in your favor um but i think it's hard to look at the bible and not see that you know what i mean mm. you, you could you can argue and we've said we've talked about this before when people more progressive christians for instance will mm-hmm. will argue that the bible isn't misogynistic and it you know it, it isn't um anti homosexual and and so on um but i think it's really hard you have to work quite hard to mm-hmm. <laughs> to argue that that the bible isn't misogynistic for instance you know isn't patriarchal and um so to take that lesson away from it, if we just take that one as an example, mm. feels like uh actually it doesn't feel like it's a completely way off thing to do. It's not like they've cherry picked it. That is no, 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 that no. is what the Bible actually was saying, certainly in the Old Testament. Um, and I would argue the the New Testament too. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, these these systems of of power then come often from religious teachings. Okay. Um the one the other one i was going to mention was the nation of iran um there's a really interesting podcast that i recommend um it i did put it up on our twitter it's i think it's a guardian podcast or it might be the times actually it might yeah, it was the times podcast but it goes into quite some detail about what happened in iran you know women are standing up to this power that the authorities have had around determining how they are to dress and mm-hmm. what they are to wear and they're standing up against that power, which I think is is just so heroic. And, you know, we're probably not talking about it enough, actually. We need to we need to recognise this for what it is, which is a striking against this traditional religious authority. Um, but go back to the 1970s and Iran actually, you know, didn't have any of these rules. Mm-hmm. It, it had a tradition of uh, freedom and certainly in the cities, uh, women could... Wear what they wanted. They didn't have to wear a hijab. They could wear mm-hmm. skirts, and um, they, you know, they didn't have any of the restrictions. And then, because of a, a coup, which again, you know, we we can go into the history of that. There was lots of abuses of power from the old re- regime, backed up by lots of the other traditional powers, like the like Great Britain, for instance. Um, the rebellion was created by left wing academics and uh, revolutionaries but they realized that they needed the sort of masses of the people and so they got the clerics involved the religious leaders the islamic clerics Um, and before they knew it the clerics had kind of taken over the whole thing and and created an islamic state Mm. Um, but all the the rules on how women should dress and what they should do and how they should cover their hair and um, you know one of the women being interviewed was saying that she was stopped by the police because she was a single woman in a car with three other men. Mm. Um, you know, they were just she just happened to be in a car with three men and they accused her of being a prostitute mm. and having sex with all of those men. Um, and she said it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's quite serious. You know, you mm. can end up being flogged or put in prison. Right. or um, But all of this is based upon religious, traditional, um authority to make Mm. decisions about others so i think that is kind of really important to remember and that's how cults operate they take often they take traditional authority and they bend it to their to their needs and and what they want to achieve through it
0: it's just so sad isn't it (laughs) it's just i don't i don't know what to say yeah they're incredibly brave people and i hope that you know this results in change, and that it's not yeah. just—it's uh, not just painful, but it—it's it, you know going somewhere positive.
1: Yeah, and it, it affected me personally. Um, I, you know, I thought about what they were risking; those women mm-hmm. that they're risking death. You know, there's been yeah. people killed um, during these protests. And um, they continue to do it. You know, they literally walk into the street in front of armed police uh, men and shout at them that they're not going to wear their hijab and they take it off in front of them or they don't Mm. wear it or they burn it. Mm. or You know, um, I should say that even women who wear the hijab are also standing side by side by those who yeah. don't want to. so that the fact the question is choice not um, stopping people mm-hmm. from wearing it but if if they want to wear it, that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. but it's it's not just about you, you really do get the feeling that it isn't just about sticking to that Islamic law. it is about control. Yeah. you know it is about it's really about men wielding control over mm-hmm. those women. Mm -hmm. um you know you have a situation where just a woman walking in the street just gets pulled over just gets approached by a couple of men who Mm. are part of this what gets called the morality police they literally Mm. have a group of police officers whose job it is to check the way that women um, wear the hijab they're also supposed to wear an overcoat garments that stops mm-hmm. you seeing the shape of their bodies in any way. Um, and that's another reason why you might get pulled over if, if your over garment is a bit too if it's touching your body so that they can see the curves of your body, then that's considered to be against the law. And you're pulled over and you're, you know, and then it depends on how they're going to behave with you. And I i mm-hmm. think about these women that, you know, they've put up with that for so long. Um, and they are. They are completely. They've completely had enough of it.
0: I'd um, like to say as well, though, it's not just an Iranian problem, in that it's not just oh, this is just happening there, and mm. it would never happen here. Mm. Um, I think it's important to remember that because I think it is again, like you said, it's not. It's not necessarily about the religious thing. It's about mm. power, and some Absolutely. people enjoying wielding that power. Um, yeah. and i think i think to be honest if you know you don't like don't like to necessarily think about it but i think you know if that power was given to people here there would be enough there would be people that enjoyed it and would join up to the morality right. police and think that they were doing a great thing absolutely so that's why it's important to not just i guess pretend it's not happening and say well that's just a it's just a Muslim problem or it's just a
1: completely agree it's
0: just a quote unquote it's just a you know it's just a problem for people that don't look like us do you know what i mean and it's not it's um yeah the, the, There was lots of people that enjoy telling women mm. how the dress code works and that you shouldn't be wearing spaghetti Absolutely. straps and did you well did you did you flirt with him were you wearing something mm. that was inappropriate so you yeah. were asking for it and it's, mm. it's it's the extreme of that and i think yeah. You know, yeah. it could it could be that extreme here if if that power was being given out and um, yeah you've got to keep we, we've got to a support people that are going through that right now and b mm. remember that it could easily be us and um, yeah. power is you know our power is now being considered equal as genders is not something that just stays because. It's written in stone. We have to keep that by keeping on top of it. And that's why stuff like in America, when the abortion rights are taken away, it's scary because there's fear yeah. of getting closer and closer to that line.
1: Absolutely. And I, I feel I feel like it, I don't want to equate um, what currently uh, people might be going through in, in lands like the UK with what those brave women are doing in Iran. Um, but, you know, there are, there are powers that that try to stop you saying what you feel um, and being who you want to be and talking about what you think. Um, and it's easy to just accept that, you know, they have that power or just kowtow to that power. So for me, I found that quite inspiring personally that, Mm -hmm. do you know what, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about because you're not going to stop me from saying what I believe and what I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I looked at those women and I thought, you know, um, they are risking their lives, some of whom, as I said, might actually want to wear a hijab, but they're still risking their lives. There's men in there as well who are risking their lives, um, protesting against this abuse of power that their governments had over them. Um, and then I think about myself and I think, well, if they can do that, you know, I can talk about how I feel on a podcast. Mm -hmm. So that kind of had resonance with me personally, but you're absolutely right in terms of, um, it can happen anywhere. You know, you look at photographs of Iran in the 1970s and it looks like London. Yeah. Um, so this was not a long history, although the, um, the the woman in the podcast, whom I forgot the name of, I meant to look it up before I talked, but um, she did say that if you happened to live in a secular sort of family, then it was life was great um, up until the revolution. But if you lived in a religious household, a very religious household, then you were pretty much invisible, and again, you basically had to do what your father said. Um, and so it was always there, but it's this religious, traditional authority that was then foisted upon a whole society, a whole country. Um, yeah, and um, I think he's absolutely right to be aware that that could happen anywhere. It could happen in the UK. It could certainly happen in the US in certain places, um, because we are seeing a, a, a descent into authoritarian sorts of um, belief systems in a lot of countries. Um around the world I think countries where you you might um, you might not expect that to be the case mm. um charismatic authority is another one that Weber talks about which we've talked about a lot so I think
0: we yeah, can probably right. skip
1: past that Half, the, the other one is the legal or rational authority and that's that's the one that I think I wanted to talk about that briefly because in society that is the one that we accept because we rationally think you know for society to work we have to have rules we have to agree on in a democracy we we decide to some degree who's going to be in power and um, there's structures and bureaucracies that go along with that there's the legal systems professions and so on and that's um, these institutions that we kind of accept um and again this feels like recently there's a lot of pushing against a lot of these institutions and um, partly because of suspicion and um, sometimes legitimate concerns and, uh, and abuses even in those situations in that in that power um, but I think we need those systems otherwise we you know we we would have an anarchic situation and I personally don't think that's uh, I think then you'd get a more feudal system of power, which in itself Mm. is not a, um, not a system that I'd want to live by. So yeah, legal or rational authority seems to me to be the one that, um, so long as there's checks and balances against their power, um, that can actually help to make society run. Mm. Um, But obviously as soon as anything gets absolute, um, then it becomes a problem. There's a couple of quotes you found uh, before we started this podcast. Yeah.
0: We've got, um, Hannah Arendt's quote or her book's title which was the banality of evil so the reason it comes to my mind is because um when we're talking about the abuse of power then an evil and autocracies comes up a lot with the abuse of power and so on and obviously she's talking about the ultimate autocracy
1: was this that nazi um yeah. regime yeah. that she was persecuted yeah. under yeah yeah because obviously mm.
0: she's a um, jewish person mm. and her book was actually quite contentious at the time mm. because i think people wanted to believe in the true evil of everyone that was involved in that not just i think the person making the calls but the people that were making the The decisions on the smaller scale of, you know, not the smaller scale, but as in like making the active choices to do these things. Right. Um, And I think she's come to the point of it wasn't people being truly evil and enjoying it. It was basically people doing their jobs and doing what they thought. Yeah, this is the right thing to do, I guess. And I think you get a lot of that in terms of the way that cults operate. Yeah, I think because I don't think people it'd be so much easier to believe that they're just bad, and I think I try and help myself. I'll be like, they just never cared about me, and you know, they they obviously don't. They're horrible people, really, Um, Mm. because that's the only reason they'd do anything like this. Do you know what I mean? But it's Mm. not that simple.
1: Um, Yeah, that's right. I mean, the Nazis—they would do unspeakable horrors and then go home um took their kids up took in their kids in bed and um you know have a glass of wine with their partners and and Mm -hmm. that was um yeah perfectly normal to them so that's often what I think about when I think about that uh, that quote It's Mm -hmm. it just became humdrum didn't it and um it was just
0: work it was just work and I I think the
1: yeah the, the behavior of people in cults is sometimes like that and yeah and other times they they are doing things because they think they are right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and so yeah we kind no of have to how awful that. it is mm. yeah it's yeah.
0: the right thing to do exactly yeah so there was that one but then there's mm. also um an interesting quote from dune so we mm. love to get our media in there so um an interesting one all governments suffer a reoccurring problem Power attracts pathological personalities. It is not that power corrupts, but that it is magnetic to the corruptible, which obviously is pulling from the original quote of power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, that's pulling that saying that it it does, but just but because it's it's the people that want power are the ones that will be. Yeah, it's attractive to it. the wrong yeah. sorts of people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's why we also get that trope in um, movies and the media that is the best king is the one that doesn't want to be the yes. king. How many times have you watched it? Yes, absolutely. Um, and they yeah. always say, you'll be a good king because you don't mm. want to be king.
1: Um, that's right.
0: Which I think is kind of, yeah, coming from this situation here of saying, yeah, um, the people that want power, why do they want power And Mm. it's a it's a bit of an issue. I think we try and deal with that in the UK by having it be that you elect parties and that the power can move from person to person and that you have individual people that are meant to be in charge, but I don't Mm. think in practice it's It's not working, is it? It's not ideal. Well we're just getting (laughs) lunatic to lunatic instead, aren't we? It's just going downhill. Do you remember when we thought Theresa May was an issue? (laughs) Bring back strong and stable. I'll miss it. Uh, yeah, oh.
1: it's um, yeah. Obviously, um, uh, a lot of our listeners are from the US and um, Canada, Australia. Um, so you might might not be that interested or aware of our politics in the UK. But I don't know. I think um,
0: people are laughing at us. Dan. <laughs> 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 I don't, you know, they might not be. You know, fully yeah. in, but I think they're in enough. To... It's. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's it is fairly yeah. strange, but um, yeah, I mean, we, we often say, don't we, that if you if you go through a career thinking that you want to be In the charge. leader <laughs> of a whole country, yeah. you know, um, that says something about you, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, or at least it suggests something about you, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. and that is slightly worrying. It kind of means that are you ever going to get somebody that's actually a really selfless, um, thoughtful leader in a system Mm. there's also systems that we have
0: maybe we should just do it like a project management style so we just government gets assigned a project and then you assign someone to be in charge per project and we Mm. don't have randos in charge of like climate change that know nothing about it we could you know bring in the right people for it And someone just facilitates some meetings.
1: Well, one of the problems, certainly in the British uh, system, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but we have ministers over, as you said, over departments um, who have had absolutely no training or understanding of of those things at all. And yet they're suddenly in charge of... They've got power though. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely yeah which yeah. again is is one of the the problems but you
0: have to question if our tre- if our treasurer has any understanding of <laughs> economics for instance
1: <laughs> apparently he did a phd on 17th century um and 17th century economic cl- crash somewhere, in might France or
0: something. Oh, I'm glad that you did uh, the 17th century. That's yeah,
1: good. really relevant. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of them can speak Latin, or at least can mm. say five phrases in Latin, and that apparently makes them qualified to run the country.
0: Mm. Um,
1: but anyway, that's, so. um, that's just um, <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Uh, ranting. Yeah, then- so...
1: How yeah, do we the, how do we conclude our conversation on power Celine?
0: Um I say we just completely do a one eighty, and you tell me this new review that we got. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, let's talk about that because that's I'm much done more now. fun. We're moving on. Yeah, um, yeah. So we had a new review, which was really lovely. Um, <laughs> we don't always read reviews out because um, I don't know. Sometimes it feels a I little like bit it. indulgent.
0: The power. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> No. Let's
1: go for it. Um, so, um, somebody called LN1 um, has said, super podcast. Recently stumbled upon this podcast and I'm loving the show immensely. As an ex JW and a listener, uh, and a listener, sorry, full stop. Insightful, respectful, informative, interesting, helpful, and generally an enjoyment to share in the interaction between a father and daughter and hear both perspectives. They said, generally an enjoyment to share. So, sometimes they don't like it. <laughs> um, particularly from a psychological point of view appreciate your work thank you so awesome. jokes aside that's that's really really lovely thank you so much for that um
0: thank you, thank
1: you. that bit of feedback it's lovely um yeah so we don't always someone get else. to see come on someone else want yeah more more, we want
0: more. We want more. yeah no, um, it, it does really help so if you could
1: it really do does help. yeah tell
0: us um if you have any yeah you can always talk in the in the comments in the reviews you are welcome to review particular episodes so you can always talk about something specific for this episode if you want to it doesn't have to be general so if you'd like to tell us about your thoughts on power Mm. you can indeed tell us in the comments indeed or
1: if you just want to talk to us directly um you can go to culthackers.com and culthackers.com on that website there is a contact page where you can send a, a little message if you want to um if you want us to read something out then um yeah pub- pub- indicate put it publicly
0: that. on twitter or something as well yeah on twitter i feel everywhere. like it's
1: okay to put online if somebody sends us something direct, um, message, obviously it's direct message we yeah. don't unless they say it's okay so um, that's kind that's of how we work but yeah so that was lovely cool. all
0: Thank right you. well
1: um, thank you so much, Celine. I enjoy talking about power.
0: Bring me the power of taking after the dog. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> you're, you're looking at the dog. I get to be in charge of the dog. Your dog, set- dog sitting this week, aren't you? Cool. Yeah, shouldn't like I that. Keep
0: her? <laughs> 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 just Hide just it when stupid. we come round to collect. Yeah. yeah.
1: What dog? She's gone. What dog? Yeah. Dog? What dog?
0: <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Cult Hackers is an Evil Sheep production.